Hi everyone, it's Leslie again from Cooking Outside the Box. Hopefully you enjoyed the last bonus episode that Hillary and I did talking about our favorite cheap and cheerful wines. So budget under $20 that we would spend here at the LCBO in Ontario. That conversation actually lasted over an hour. So I thought I'd split it into two and bring you the second half of our conversation today. Hope you enjoy it and please keep sending me your feedback. So uh, I'm going Italy and uh, Italy is the number two uh, uh, importer or like sales of wine in Canada uh, at just under 8 million cases. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I wouldn't have expected Italy to be so high on the list. But again, Italy, generally you can get some uh, good value wines. Um, My favorite uh, is actually um, Valpolicella uh, grape so or it's actually Corvina mm. is the name of the the grape but it's similar to or what we call Valpolicella um, which is in that Amarone family so for those right. who don't know like who might have heard of Amarone Amarone is made with dried grapes um, and it's usually at least $35 a bottle up to you know 60 or whatever dollars a bottle um, which is it's very mm. full bodied. It's very rich. You really need to have it with food. Like it's just not the kind of wine you can just have a right. glass of wine. But for people who like Amarone and don't want to spend that kind of money, the next one down from that is called Rapasso. And so what they do uh, is they, right. and you know this, but if people listening don't know, uh, Rapasso takes the same grapes that are used to make Amarone and they make the wine, but then they take the leftover skins from the mm. crushed Amarone grapes, like the dried grapes that they crush to make Amarone wine. They take those skins and they put them into the vat with the, with the wine and allow it to, uh, like macerate or whatever. I'm not using the right wine terms. It's been so long since we took the wine course. I don't remember. I don't remember all the terms anymore, but they put the wine skins in and they leave them in there for a while. And it gives that raisiny flavor that you get. I was just going to say raisins, right? Yeah. It gives that like really deep, like herbal and raisiny and, and, and depth of flavor into the wine at half the price of what you would spend. So if you're the kind of person like, oh, I'd love an Amarone, get a Rapasso because right. they range in price anywhere from the one I'm going to tell you about is 1795, actually, mm. sorry, 1995. It's on sale, $2 off right now. Um, uh, to the sort of mid twenties, like 23, 24, depending on, on which one you buy. So uh, the one I chose is called, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing this properly, it's called Sassoline. So S-A uh, apostrophe and then S-O-L-I-N. It's by Monte Zovo. Um, and it's, like I said, it's normally 1995, but it's currently on sale for 17.95. And it's again, one of those everyday drinking wines um, I think we tried this at the wine show. I'd had it before. Right. There were a few, they had like this producer, this Monte, Monte Zovo has a few different wines, um, in that same sort of family from the same region. Um, mm. but this is one that I've had. And actually I think I had it in a restaurant once and it was probably $50 in the restaurant, but $20 oh, wow. if you buy it at the LCBO. So Right. Yeah. So that's my, that's my sort of go-to Rapasso. I mean, I have a few other Rapassos that I like, but they're over $20. So this is my favorite under $20. Interesting. I think it's my sister's um, favorite too. Carolyn. Is it really? 
Carolyn likes Vaseline. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and there's the construction. So if you hear some drilling and hammering <laughs> in the background, I'm living in a construction zone right now. So you'll have to excuse the noise. You can barely hear it, I think. Okay. Um, so I have an interesting pick. Mm -hmm. um, and I was just looking it up to see if it's available. So there is invent, is there an inventory at selected stores? Oh, I have to select a store. Um, the hair wine company. Um, Where's that? What's the hair? So the hair wine company is in, um, I want to say it's in Niagara. I think it's in Niagara. Um, it's a back on noir. Oh, and it's a really sort of a unique um, Canadian thing, I think, back on noir. Um, if you, you know what I was saying earlier about you know, Ontario not really being able to, to do the real robust um, job with a, with a red grape. Back au Noir um, and Cap Franc, I think, are, are sort of the, the grapes that they can do fairly well. Um, and because this was sort of available at the Lickbow, um, there aren't sort of some of the better ones that you can go and get at the wineries. You know, so that trip to the Niagara region is an absolute must if you want to go to places like Taws and get like, you know, some of the really good Ontario Reds. Um, the Jack Rabbit um, Bacon Noir is available. It's a special blend, uh, Bacon Noir. And, and how Cap much Bob. is it? How much is it? $19.95. So we okay. get just, at just under the limit. Yeah. Just under yeah. the limit. Yeah. I found so, the same. Like if you, if, that the wine tastes different when you have it at the winery compared to like, if you just buy it at the LCBO and have it at home. Cause yes. I've done that. Like I've gone to a winery and go, Oh wow, this is fantastic. I love this wine. And then I buy it and I take it home and I open it. It's like, eh, like, eh, right. it's not as great as what right. I, what it tasted like. So I don't know. There's something to be said for drinking it there tends to happen right so so this actually is broadly available i just looked um but yeah um so it was specially developed for the lcbo which was one of the things that i found was interesting right because you know you started off by saying where you know the the lcbo or in canada i think you said um the majority of the wines by case are canadian mm -hmm. well if you think about the fact that um, you go into the LCBO and, and they have this huge focus, right, on wines from Ontario because it's the Liquor Control Board of Ontario. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for Canadian wine from BC, it's kind of harder to find. Right? There's like you have one. A much, <laughs> yeah, you have a much better chance of finding wine from um, Italy, right? So I think it's interesting when you see, and especially because this is an Ontario winery, partnering with the LCBO and saying, I'm making a, a wine that is, you know, special to the, to, specially developed for the LCBO. Right. Um, so yeah, if you're just having a burger or whatever, you're having beef, it's kind of that sort of robust um, kind of wine. So that was my backup if, if you went to Italy mm. and you went to Italy and you <laughs> talked about, um, you know, similar wines that I would have chosen because we you have it very well. I know. Did you have we, another Italian that you liked? Um, 
nothing that would be really sort of more interesting, I think, than than what you've already covered. But I thought this was interesting when I was was um, we tried it. Somebody brought it, I think, and it was nice, like really for an Ontario wine. At well, we went to we went to a wine thing a couple of years ago, King West. I forget what it was. It was one of those ones where you like you pay you mm-hmm. pay like. 40 or $50 or whatever to get in. And then uh, it's like all you can eat, all you can drink uh, stuff. And I'm pretty sure it was all Canadian. Was it not? It was Canadian. I'm trying to think if it was all Ontario, but I don't think it was all Ontario. I don't remember now. Uh, But one of the ones that I do remember from there, uh, because like you said, like Ontario reds can be a little bit hit and miss, uh, but there was right. one there, uh, one from Hidden Bench that was really tasty uh, that I quite liked. So Hidden Bench, I think, is in Niagara region, um, and they have fantastic one. And then, of course, my sister lives in the county now, so she's all up on all the different county wines, which uh, mm. maybe I'll have her back on the podcast to talk about county That's wines. What you need to do, um, yeah. Yeah, she's quite close to uh, what's called Carlo Estates, and uh, mm. she's given me a bottle of theirs, but I haven't opened it yet. Uh, but the county's kind of doing more like funky wines, you know, like skin contact wines and things ah, like that okay. that are a little bit different than what uh, right. um, what we would normally be drinking. So I guess that's sort of their niche is doing things that are sort of different and interesting as opposed to just your mainstream drinkable wine. And didn't we, we did a tasting that was Laylee, didn't we? Oh, didn't we? yeah. But those are, those are not cheap and cheerful. Those are all over $20 for sure. Yeah. And, and all of, all of my, in the Lickbo either. No, right? all of my Laylee wines are gone. I drank them all because we ordered a case. I think we split it between we us. Did. So I had six yes. bottles and they're gone now, uh, long gone, but yeah, they had fantastic wines. But when I was on their website, um, they didn't seem to have the wines that we tried like the one one was called something like impromptu and the other one was called yes. five those are yes, not five I remember yeah. I think I still have one bottle of the five left okay yeah so yeah, they, they seem like they've changed since uh maybe since we maybe. did that yeah but it yeah. was it was really tasty and uh mm. and then of course you've got you know your stratus and your mm-hmm. uh what are the other Ontario ones that are super good yeah, so Taws is another one that I, I remember is being really oh Trius Trius red yeah, yeah. Is, a, is a nice sort of easy drinking blended red um and that's another thing actually sometimes people turn their noses up at blends um oh. because I think they think no. like like blended scotch is less uh, expensive mm. than single malt and so they think oh if it's like a single vineyard single grape whatever but I mean we learned a long time ago that like blending's where it's at when Blends. it comes to I mean not that I'm going to blend my own I'm not going to mix wines from one bottle and another bottle <laughs> but um, a blend of grapes uh, often yields a better rounded uh, bottle yeah. of wine than if it's just a single grape single grapes can sometimes just be a little it could be boring or it could be off or it could be right yeah well some of the world's best are, are blends but that's for for another conversation that's for think, yeah that's for our expensive like spare no expense wine conversation yeah but actually on blending um i think it was at stratus again in the niagara region um we did uh, a blending 
um, thing. So you actually got to go and, and sort of sit in this session with the winemaker and you had um, all of their, their sort of current reds and you got to blend your own. Oh, and nice. so you got to learn a little bit more about how you structure a blend. And I put my blend together with the things that I really like, sort of more based on a Bordeaux style blend, right? So you've got your Cab, your Merlot and mm-hmm. Petit Verdot. And, right? and I put all of this together and I tasted it and I thought, my God, I'm a rock star winemaker. This is so good. <laughs> anyway, so I carried on with the tasting and, and you kept each version I think there were four versions of blending that you did and then so just one thing they said now go back to the first one and and tell me what's changed and I took one sip and went wow that's really not that good (laughs) (laughs) right so so and in the course of probably 40 minutes it had changed so much that you just sort of you got a sense of what blending you know, really doing it really well was was yeah. a real art that a winemaker has. Yeah, no kidding. Especially for it to last, right, in a bottle. Right. Yeah. One other, but again, I went okay. back to I went back to Italy, and uh, okay. it's another Rapasso. So I'm not being particularly original here, but this is one that's available on the regular shelf. So the where the Sassoline is at in vintages, this is on the regular shelf, uh, so you okay. can almost always get it. Uh, at pretty much every LCBO. Um, I tried this one at the wine show and Mm. uh, I otherwise like, I don't know, I guess I'm kind of a wine snob in that I hardly ever buy off the regular shelf. I just bypass the regular shelf and I go right to vintages. Not because I want to spend a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. I just assume that the better wines are going to be in the vintages section, but you know, like the, the, um, uh, the Baronia that I picked is on the regular shelf. And uh, this uh, Valpolicello, it's called Enzo Vincenzo, 1640, a bottle. It used to be you're kidding. but it's gone up to 1640. Enzo Vincenzo, uh, Rapasso, fantastic value wine. Under wow. $20. So uh, again, it's, it's similar. It's maybe not quite as refined as the Sassoline is, but it's mm-hmm. uh, like a good, decent, red bottle that you could bring to a dinner party uh you know uh it's nothing fancy but it's like just a good easy drinking wine enzo vincenzo valpolicella rapasso and it's uh 1640 so it says the the nose bursts with aromas of cassis spice and red fruit with a coffee note mm, on the that palate it's delicious dry light to medium body quite elegant and smooth with fine tannins that's the Mm. description from the lcbo website yeah so we've got i haven't been drinking a ton of wine recently oh there's one other actually one other bottle i want to share but i don't know if i want to share it and the reason is that i love it and it's hard to find and if i tell everyone how great it is then everyone's going to go and buy it and then i won't be able to get it um but actually I think it's pretty much sold out everywhere anyway. And it isn't gonna be everybody's cup of tea, but I really in the last couple of years have gotten into Cote de Rome from France. Mm, really right. like that blend. And again, as I said, it's the kind of wine that you can just drink a glass of without having mm-hmm. to have it with food because it's lighter in body. Um, and right. it's a, a blend of grapes and the blend can be a variety of different things that, that go into a, a Cote de Rome. Yep. Um, this one is called Jupiter. 
And oh, it's you told me about Jupiter. It's $17 a bottle, uh, which is a fantastic deal for uh, a wine of that quality. Um, but it seems like every time I go to find it, it's disappeared. Um, and so it's it's hard to find. And mm. uh, so that's why I was reluctant to mention it. Because <laughs> now well, okay, people see it, they're going to run as like, ah, oh, I want to buy the Jupiter. Actually, Jupiter had two. So they had a $17 bottle. And then they had another one called... Uh, it was also called something else, Jupiter, similar label, same producer yeah. for $35 a bottle. That's not available anymore either. So both right. of the, and I never got a chance to try the, the more expensive one um, because by the time I went back to get it, it was, they were all sold out. Mm. So. You told me about it and I tried to get it um, here and it just, yeah, was sold out yeah. completely. So I think it was, uh, it was a very popular it was it it, it yeah. was a very popular wine so um and then there were a couple of others i can't remember them off the top of my head but i was really experimenting with cote de rhone because i was looking for something that was like maybe a little bit lighter in in body and um and found a couple of others there was one called i think it was called xavier x-a-v-i-e-r mm. um and that was also very tasty but i have a feeling that was over twenty dollars so you're not going to find a lot of cote de rones under twenty dollars so that's why this jupiter was so like such a good find when i found it right and, and I, I think that that's the challenge now. that's the challenge if you find a particular type of wine that you like like that that, mm -hmm. that then you're inching up in your price points um, you know, it's, it's sort of a constant go and, and see what you can find in the region is what I tend to do. Yeah. Um, right. Go by region, go by price and then experiment that way because otherwise then you're, yeah, then I'm all about, um, yeah, that does not fit the cheap and cheerful and can't drink that sort of during <laughs> weeknight just for the sake of it. That's right. And, and I'm like, I, I got into a habit, I guess, early in, in the pandemic where I think I was drinking every night. Um, like I wasn't drinking a whole bottle. I tried to make a bottle last at least two nights, but more like three nights. So basically right. eight ounces of wine per night. So two small glasses or one really big glass, depending on, you know, which glasses I was using. <laughs> yeah. um, although actually I have to say, I'm, I'm not a fan of filling my wine glass too full. So even though oh, no. I've got really, really big wine glasses, like I might fill them a third full, a quarter full, depending on yeah. the size of the glass. Yeah. I'm really against that filling up your wine glass too full. I'd rather go yeah, back and you can't swirl. You just you can't, can't swirl. Yeah. You can't full. swirl it around. And I'm not a fan of drinking wine out of tumblers like like if you go to an italian restaurant a lot of times they'll give you oh, a little tumbler and and drinking right. wine because again you fill it too full you can't swirl it around you can't really get your nose it into it and changes smell it. the flavor yes it does it does well it remember does. when we did that riedel tasting uh, that was also at the wine show uh, yeah. And people say, well, what difference did the glass make? Oh my God, the glass made such a huge difference. The shape huge. of the glass yeah. uh, made such a huge difference in the taste and the aroma of- Yeah, the, the nose, like, as you, like you say, as you, what's coming out of the glass as you're lifting it to your face and it made yeah. massive difference. Yeah, especially um, with the last, the last few sips out of the glass when the glass is nearly empty. Yeah. Like it, there's just so much more air in there and you, you really get the, the aroma and the bouquet of yeah. the wine at the very end, like the last few sips out of your glass. 
Yeah. You know, that that drinking every day thing, I think, um, gets a bit of a bad rap in the sense that, you know, you see all these things about health and, you know, it's like oh, wagging fingers of, of drinking too much. But if you're having a glass of wine with your dinner every day, you know, and it isn't, you know, a giant glass of wine, but it is a, a you know, a reasonable pour. And that's what you have sort of as you're wind down at the end of the day with your dinner. I think that that's still considered a very healthy, you know, thing to do, especially, you know, lockdown, staying at home, you know, whatever stresses that you're dealing with. I still think that that's a very reasonable and healthy thing that, uh, that people yeah. should be doing and yeah. not beating themselves up for. Right. Yeah. I think it, it, it really comes down to, um, like if I were drinking a bottle of wine a night, that would be mm, a problem. Yeah. <laughs> but drinking like a third of a glass, sorry, a third of a bottle or or at the most half a bottle, but that would only be if yeah. I was like having like a big dinner or something like that. Right. But usually it would right. be like about a third of a bottle that I might yeah. drink in a night. Because the other thing is like, even though I have one of those air pump thingies like to get the mm -hmm. air out of the cork like after the third day like white wine wow that can stay forever in my fridge yeah, like no big deal but yeah. red wine after the third day is kind of uh, does just not tasting as good so yeah no yeah. it's true um i read something uh where they'd done a study that the best way to keep your red wine if you want to keep it after you've opened it is actually by putting it in the fridge suck the air out and yeah. put it in the fridge but then it's like how far in advance of wanting a glass of wine do you have to remember to take it back out of the fridge to warm it anyway yeah so, yeah so it would not work for me but apparently that kept it fresher <laughs> yes i've heard the same thing yeah keeping it in uh yeah. keeping it in the fridge does make a difference it might have actually i thought it was at like one of those wine classes that we took was we've it, taken it so well many be. different wine classes where people have have where we've learned stuff like yeah the other thing yeah. i remember from like way back in the day uh, two things one was we were talking about canadian wine earlier uh that there was an article that we read that talked about how canadian wine producers had to price their wines at the same level as say their American counterparts in order for people to buy them and take them seriously. So even uh, though they might've been able to sell it at $13, people would see a $13 right. bottle of wine and assume that it's not a good quality bottle of wine. So they would charge $20 for the bottle mm -hmm. because then people would take it more seriously. Say, oh, well, if it's oh. a $20 bottle or $25 bottle. It's got bottle, to be good. It's got to be good. So it, so they've sort of, they, they price their wines based on making them sort of competitive or at the same level as an equivalent, you know, American wine or you right. know, wine from another region, which I thought was kind of interesting that, um, the psychology around how a wine is priced and whether people will buy it or not buy it based on the price. Like you and I are talking about like setting that $20 threshold for the right. cheap and cheerful, you know, and for a lot of people that threshold might be lower. It might be $15, might be $12. Like who knows yeah. what the, what each individual person's threshold is. But um, I wonder if there's like any studies or anything about like threshold, like that $20 threshold, is that a real threshold or is it a, like, what is the threshold that people uh, That's will it, yeah, it's buy an interesting, Yeah, that would be interesting to see if there's research on that mm -hmm. as well, right? Mm -hmm. You know, as well as the, 
yeah what what affects your buying choice when you go in you know assuming that you've you've graduated from Lambrusco and you're you know willing to go and explore you know something that that has you know again it's not a blend right um, but you're willing to explore sort of you know different grapes or or whatever what influences that more right and I mean I think the other thing too like I don't know, like, especially with more expensive wines, do I want to drop $35 on a bottle that I've never tried that I don't know if I'm going to like it or not? Like that's, that's a lot of money to spend on something. If I then open it, I'm like, eh, you know, like I I bought a Chateauneuf du Pape for New Year's this year. And I think it was, I want to say around $38. And generally I like that style. Cause again, it's sort of that Rhone style of wine. Right. And it was kind of, it was like, eh, it was fine, but Mm. there was nothing fantastic about it. And I was disappointed that I'd spent that much on a bottle that I didn't love. Uh, right. Whereas I could have spent less on something that I knew I was going to like. That you so, would have liked more. Yeah. 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 And I guess part of it is the price too. Like if I had spent $17 on that bottle, I would have maybe felt differently about it than spending $35 on it right. and having a higher expectation of what that would, what that wine would taste like. I think as well with that, you know, comes back to the, all right, this is, we're in Ontario, right? What does the Liquor Control Board of Ontario serve up to us, right? It's going to serve you up a wine like that, whereas it won't serve you up a wine from British Columbia that, you know, would cost you less and you would likely enjoy way more, Mm -hmm. but you just can't get it. It's not available. You know, if you think about some of those wineries that, that, you know, we love like Poplar Grove, you know, that has like such great accessible wine. Like I think their, their Merlot is like $26 or something. You just mm. don't see it in the LCBO. You know, you might see a Mission Hill from BC, but, yeah. but not some of the, you know, like Painted Rocks, they're more expensive. But I think, yeah, there's a lot of more accessible wineries in terms of price that are Canadian that you're going to get really good quality from yeah but we don't see them and and then think that still goes back to those ancient cross provincial you know liquor laws right right which are changing so you know theoretically we should be able to see more wines from bc than than we had seen before but i don't know when that's going to when that's going it to depends change. though i think if the lcbo remains in control right they're still going to favor the ontario wineries right yeah, yeah. I, I mean i'm guessing that's going to be the case you know you can now join wine clubs from bc wineries which you know when pete and i were in the okanagan many years ago some of them wouldn't even sign us up for the wine club because our address was in Ontario. Oh. Um, but we've since gone online and joined a few of them and they don't seem to have any problem with it. We ship hmm. it, you know, regularly. So Just, I'm going to like loop back to the conversation we were having about like shelf space on mm-hmm. uh, like in the LCBO. So I just really quickly, cause I was trying to look for a Canadian wine and I on the LCBO website if you go under, like you just search for red wine under, mm-hmm. uh, like for just search, and then you can filter by country. The country okay. that has the biggest shelf space, 1200 different bottles is France. France has uh, more see? shelf space in LCBO. Italy is second with a, almost 1200 different 
uh, bottles. USA is next with over 700 and Canada only has 400 and mm. it's 13, 400, just over 400 different bottles of wine. So when you think about like, and maybe that's not shelf space because they may put more Canadian bottles out, but in terms of varieties, like different yeah. um, producers or bottles of wine, France has like four times what Canada has in terms of the, the wines that are available at the LCBO different Isn't wines available yeah 1200 yeah. different bottles of wine from France red this is just red only I wasn't looking at, right. at the white so right. it's kind of interesting to uh to look at so yeah France Italy USA Canada Australia uh Australia actually has more than Canada really a hard time reading it I think it says 956 different unless yeah 956 was Canada's 415 so um yeah spain has more as well that's fascinating than canada and it's funny if you search now you've got me curious if you search <laughs> by canada yeah right red wine canada region ontario 334 british columbia 31 right nova scotia one one like yeah. they're the only places in canada that produce wine which I don't think is actually true but yeah British Columbia 31 like that's you know that is egregious mm. oh and the first one that came up Le Vieux Pain Cuvée Violette which is delicious which I think we have a bottle of in our wine cellar where's that from um it's British Columbia oh okay and then you know Mission Hill which has lots mm, Burying Isle another good bc winery so yeah it's interesting that um they favor ontario so much oh there's a soy slow rose mm. we'll talk about that in the next episode yes i had that with my uh, easter dinner last weekend it was very tasty yeah, i spotted that in your in your picture oh they have black hills tempranillo mm. oh okay another so, one yes yeah, so so interestingly back to the tempranillo um, that BC produces Tempranillo um, and Black Hills has now started to, to, to grow it and then produce wines. And as you know, Black Hills is one of the, the wineries that we have a membership with. It's not in the cheap and cheerful category again. Right. So we're teasing but, our next episode, which is yes, going to be about the tune those... in next time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We're going to talk mm -hmm. about those no hold bar, no, like no <laughs> spare, no expense. These wines are fantastic. And yeah, we yeah. love them. Well, everything from the it's not cheap and cheerful, but it's accessible to the okay, if I just had all the money in the world. <laughs> That's right. That's right. And maybe a little bit of conversation about uh uh, like why wines are priced, like what goes into the price of a wine? Like right. why is a mm. wine, you know, $20 or $30 or $50 or $100? And is a $100 bottle of wine really that much better than a $30 mm. bottle or a $20 bottle, right? So these are things that that maybe we'll explore in, in our next conversation, as well as sharing some of our, our favorites, um, as favorite splurge-worthy wines. Um, right. Although I have to say that most of my favorites are going to be your favorites too, because I was I, just I, about to say I think well, we're going to go down that same road again, aren't we? I know because I, I mean, usually I drink them with you. 
<laughs> the expensive ones are usually I drink with you. But I'm also going to tease in the next episode um, another article that we read, because uh, this really kind of goes a little bit more along the lines of the expensive wines uh, about are you a wine fascist? I don't know if you remember Ooh. that article. It was from The Economist. Okay, so we're going to talk about, there was an article from The Economist, and I want to say it's like 20 years ago that we read this. Uh, and I'm just going to tease that. We're not going to talk about it now. We're going to talk about it next time. Thank you for spending your time talking about wine. It, like The disappointing part, I think we're going to need to schedule our next conversation about wine in the evening so that we can actually drink wine while we're talking oh. like it's like noon on a That's thursday here idea. it's like noon on a thursday and uh and like i'm not drinking any wine right now like i think next time we're gonna have to schedule this as an evening conversation so that we can actually uh drink wine while we're talking about wine so i'm in drinking and talking it is Again, say thank you to Hillary for joining me today. I'll put her social handles up. I think you're really just on Twitter though, right? Uh, yeah, Twitter. And do you, do you post stuff it. about your research on Twitter or? Mm, not yet. I'm sort of at the point now where I'm, I'm doing enough sort of data analysis to have some thoughts. So there's probably okay. gonna be some stuff coming. Okay, well, I will put Hillary's Twitter, Twitter handle up on, when I post this episode so that if you're interested in following her or you want to DM her with like some horrible story about a toxic Yay. leader that you have in your organization, um, uh, you can do that. So thank you again to Hillary for joining me today. Thank you. Well, that was fun. Um, as usual, we go totally on all kinds of weird tangents. Um, we did bring you four more value wines though, and I will put these in the show notes. So we have the Sassoline, which is uh, a Rapasso from Italy for 1995. We have the Hare, uh, which is a Bacoloir from Niagara, also 1995. Um, Enzo Vincenzo, which is a Rapasso, from Italy for 1640. That one's on the regular shelf, not at vintages. And uh, another of my personal favorites, which is a Jupiter Cote du Rhone, $17 at vintages, if you can find it. So uh, coming up in the next bonus episodes, Hillary and I are gonna talk about our splurge worthy wines. So these are the wines that are over $20. In most cases, they're gonna be over $30 probably, uh, that we think are worth spending a little bit of extra money on if you want something for a special occasion. And as usual, we go off on weird tangents partway through as well. So hopefully you've been enjoying our conversations and uh, um, the next one will be out shortly. <laughs>